you have your Bibles, let me invite you to turn to the book of Psalms, Psalm 139, and this morning we'll be looking at verse 16. Psalm 139, verse 16, we are four weeks into a a study of this lengthy psalm and taking our time to walk through it and try to understand it in a in a in a decent decent pace. If you've not been here for the last few weeks, that's quite all right. You'll I think you'll fit right. You'll jump right into where we are, and we'll uh, have some quick overview and remembering of what happened. But otherwise, uh, this is a pretty self-standing truth. I think that we can understand. I'm going to read for us Psalm 139, and I'm going to read verses 13 through 18, but we'll just focus on 16. Verses 13 through 18, this is, this is the Word of God. As we read God's Word, think, think of these words, not as just a, the words of a da- a King David, but of God Himself. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Would you pray with me, please? Our Father, we do thank you this morning that we have your words, and we ask that we would simply have our eyes to be open and our ears to be open, that we might hear the words that you have spoken through your servant David. May we hear them as they were spoken by David. May we hear them as they were sung by our Lord Jesus. And may we hear how we should sing them today in this day and age. We pray that your word would be magnified and lifted up above all things and that we might be obedient to the things that we have seen and heard and learned. We pray all through Jesus' name. Amen. Three big questions that have been asked by mankind probably since the very beginning. The further and further we get from God, the more we hear this question and how diverse the answers are get. Who am I? Why am I here? Where did I come from? Three big questions that really have two real big thoughts behind them. As human beings try to figure out, first of all, their identity or their self-worth. Who are my people? Where do I, where do I fit into all of this? Where did I come from? We ask these kinds of questions often. I'm just uh, within a church setting, but just anybody who stops and thinks about life for any length of time is asked that question because we want to know of our self-worth. But secondly, because of our purpose. What in the world am I here for? Why do I live at this time, and at this, uh, at this particular place in the world? And why am I even alive at all? As I said, the further and further that we uh, culture and civilization gets away from God, the answers get more and more diverse and really more and more ridiculous. Evolution would answer the question of who am I and where did I come from by saying that we are the result of millions of years of evolving chaos. 
There's an old line that comes from uh, Star Trek. If you're a Star Trek fan, you might re- recognize the line. Uh, one of the, the life forms encounters the humans and he calls them ugly bags of mostly water. And that's really from a, from a non-Christian uh, f- f- uh, standpoint. What else is a human but just a giant bag of 90% water? There's really no function, no purpose. There's really nothing other than you just happen to be this way over millions and millions of years. Well, the Scriptures answer, and we've seen in Psalm 139, that, that we are the product of God's creative design. The answer to the question, why am I here? Which is kind of what we're trying to think about this morning. In man's wisdom, that answer will come on a range of, uh, of a spectrum, all the way from hedonism, which is the philosophy that life is all about pleasure. Have a good time. Do what makes you feel good. And we're seeing the results of a people that follow that philosophy even today. Do whatever feels good. And then when the consequences come, then you can complain and get mad at somebody else because it's certainly not your fault. That's hedonism. Or it goes to the other end of the spectrum, which would be nihilism, which is just the idea that life is pointless. There's really nothing about life that has any meaning or purpose to it. Why are we all here? Are we all here? Is this just a figment of our imagination and the, and, and the answers just get crazier and crazier? Well, the Scriptures tell us that the purpose for our existence belongs to the wisdom and the decree of the God who made us. Think about it this way, if you will. If you've ever made something, I don't care what it is that you made. Maybe you've made a table or a chair. Or maybe you've built a computer or you've built a car or you painted a sign. Anytime that anybody makes something, we have done so with a purpose already in mind. We don't just start making something wondering what, we're gonna, what we want it to be. And so the maker uh, determines two things. The design and the purpose. Why are you making this thing? You have something already in mind. That's why you're making it the way that you're making it. And you're making it with some sort of blueprint, whether it's on paper or in your head. And God is no different. God did not make people or things, trees, bugs, flowers, any of the things, with no design intended and with no purpose uh, behind it. God has made everything for a purpose. Psalm 139 uh, is a, a series of four uh, what we might call verses in our, in our modern uh, songs. We would call them verses, but since we recognize that there are 24 verses in Psalm 139, that might get a little confusing. So if I call them stanzas, that might be a little bit easier to, to, to grasp what I'm trying to communicate to you. There are four main groups or stanzas within this psalm, and this morning we're in the third stanza. And the third stanza acknowledges these three big questions. Who am I? Where did I come from? And why am I here? In the first half of the stanza, verses 13 and 14 and 15, we see that David recognizes and praises God for forming his body. He made his body. He determined how tall David would be, how many fingers and toes David would have, uh, what color hair David would have, all of those things. And we looked a little bit at, 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 at the descriptions of David in the Scriptures last Sunday and, and recognized the fact that this is not a product of David's genes. This is a product of God's creativity and His chosen design. 
The second half, though, David takes it a step further. Beginning in verse number 16 and going down through verse number 18, the end of the stanza, David acknowledges that God has formed not only his body, but also his life or his days. If you look back at verse number 16, and it's the second line in, he says, In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. David recognizes that God not only formed his body, but also his life. God gave David a purpose for living. Purposing his days according to God's infinite plan. Now we can divide this text into two parts, and that's how we'll look at it this morning. If you're following along with notes, then we'll see two divisions here. First of all, God's great purpose. And secondly, David's great perplexity. David's great perplexity. Let's look at the first one, at God's great purpose. This is what John Calvin calls the hidden judgments or counsels of God. The purpose beyond God's, uh, behind God's creation and behind everything that God does uh, is often hidden to us. But I want us to understand, and we've already kind of seen this in, in, uh, in previous weeks, that God who made everything is not a passive spectator. As we go back to stanza one in the first six verses, we see that God knows everything and God sees everything. And then in the second stanza, it's all about that God is everywhere and God is at all places at all times. And David now gets to this third stanza and points out the fact that God sees and knows and is everywhere, but it's not passive. God is not simply there observing. We used the, the, uh, the analogy last Sunday of a divine watchmaker. God, some people would say that God made the world, He wound it up, and then He let it go. And He's just watching to see what happens now. That is not how the Bible describes God. God has an active involvement in His own creation. But as we've seen already through every verse of this psalm, that David is not focused primarily on the general, but rather on the personal. David says, you know everything, you know me. You are everywhere, you are everywhere with me. And here, God, you formed everything, you formed even me. And Psalm 139 emphasizes this divine purpose of God, although it is also a mysterious purpose of God. God purposely and intentionally formed every part of His creation. Now let that sink in, because if you don't get that, then none of the rest of us makes sense. God on purpose made everything that is made. And He did it with an intent. He did it for a reason. God's active knowledge of David is derived from His divine purpose for David. You see, God has always had a purpose for everything that He's done. God never does anything randomly or arbitrarily. God always does what He's going to do because He has a reason behind that. There's no, there's no arbitrary uh, actions behind God. From the, from the moment of creation and beyond that, until the present day, until the last day, until on into eternity, everything that God does has a purpose. I'm going to read several verses to you throughout the Scriptures, and you have them at least written down in your notes so you can see them. We won't really have a lot of time to turn to them all, but if you're quick, you might be able to catch up uh, to one or two of them. Proverbs 16 and verse 4 says that the Lord made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. 
God made everything with a purpose. And God is the one who gave them that purpose. In Ephesians 1, verse 11, which Tim read for us just a little while ago, we see here, in verse 11, it says that we as Christians are predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Now that verse says a lot in just a few lines. He says that God has predestined or predetermined according to His purpose. The purpose of Him. And this God is the God who works all things according to His will. According to the counsel or the wisdom of His will. God does everything for His reason. For His will. For His purpose. And follow. The purpose, going back to Psalm 139, the purpose here uh, is, is a personal thing. So David is not thinking about all of the, div the divine grand plan behind everything. He's thinking about himself. But we can apply that both ways. We can see it in both ways. But let's, let's follow David's thoughts back in Psalm 139. The purpose we have seen already in the creation of David's body. God chose how David would be born, when he would be born, where he would be born, to whom he would be born, all of those things. The same way that God chose you. God chose you to be born in the city that you were born, to the parents you were born, at the specific time that you were born. We have several ladies in here who are expecting, and uh, you are excited for that due date, right? But if you've ever had a baby or known anybody who ever has a, had a baby, or if you ever were a baby, then you probably know that due dates aren't for sure. Due dates sometimes are just a, a general suggestion, right? Uh, it may not happen on that day. It may happen after that day. It may happen well before that day because we don't determine that day. God is the sovereign determiner of the birth of a person as well as the death of a person. And according to Psalm 139, every day in between. Nothing has been made that God does not oversee. God does not have a purpose and a plan for. And David has already confessed that God has had this purpose not just for his body, but I want to focus on the fact that God has a purpose on his life. Not just when he would be born or when he would die or what he would look like, but why he was created in the first place. Now I want to acknowledge, before we get too deep into this, that we do not know everything about this purpose. If you did... Either you would be God or God would be like you. The Scriptures tell us that neither one of those statements can be true. If you do not understand the entire purpose of the Creator of heaven and earth, welcome to humankind. Okay? Nobody does. And anybody that tells you they do is lying or completely uh, delusional. We do not know everything about God's purpose. However... We have been given Scripture. And the Scriptures reveal to us, first of all, the God who did make us. And it reveals to us that this God has a purpose and He is accomplishing it. Now, the Scriptures don't always go in to tell us what that purpose is, but they do tell us that there is a God and this God made us and this God has a purpose. And this God has a plan. Now, the more that we start reading the Scriptures and the more we begin to see the whole story, the big story of the Bible, we begin to see a part of that purpose. We begin to see a, a bit of a 30,000-foot view of, oh, this is what God is accomplishing. This is what God is going after. But to try to get very deep into that is, is, is beyond our comprehension. 
It's like going out uh, to the ocean. If you've ever been out to uh, one of the oceans, at least on the, on the borders of our country, and you stand there and you say, that's the ocean. At least it's the top of it. You don't, you don't see all of the ocean. You can't even see the end of the ocean. You couldn't see the east and the west, the north and the south of it. You don't. You can grasp that's the ocean. You can say, yeah, it's really big. But to really comprehend the depth and the volume and the, and the length and the width of it, that's beyond us. You could fly over it and say, yeah, I, I, I get how big it is, but we don't really get how big it is. And if you could understand that, you still would not understand the God who made that ocean and made more than one of them. This is a big God, so we don't understand everything about God's purpose. But we do know that God has made us and God has purposes. Now, I want you to notice what God says about, or what David says about God's great purpose for him. First of all, he says it is recorded. If you look back in verse number 16, he says the phrase, in your book were written. Now, there's there's some more talk that we could have about what book he's talking about here. We're not going to try to understand or explain that. I simply want to recognize the fact that God has recorded these, uh, th- this purpose. This, 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 this purpose is recorded like a blueprint before the building was built. There was a plan. There was an intention. There was a design. There was a direction. There was a reason for this building being made. And God has a purpose for David. And he says it was written down. It was recorded In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Secondly, notice that David said God's purpose is predetermined. These kind of run together a little bit, but we want to make sure we see every part of this. That he says, when as yet there was none. Think about that. God is not writing a journal or a diary of David's life. Those of you who journal or you have a diary, you record what happened that day as it happened to you. You could not sit down and write a diary about what's going to happen next Tuesday. You haven't been there yet. But God has written every one of them the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. Before there was ever one day of David's life, God had written down all of the days that he would live. That's an amazing thought. God has recorded His purpose. He has predetermined His purpose. God has planned each day of my life beforehand, before I was even alive, and you the same. God knows my past and my present and my future because He formed it. God knows then what He is doing in my life, even though I may not. Those of you who graduates, you stood a few moments ago and you're, you're about to walk across the stage and get some sort of a diploma. And generally, the question that is asked is, what are you going to do now? And very often the reply is, I don't know. I got a long time till September. Or I'm doing this. How many of us are not doing the thing that we said we were going to do when we were 18 and we're getting our high school diploma? How many of us are not doing the thing that we spent thousands of dollars getting a degree in We're doing something totally different. Because we just don't know. And we don't always know what's going on in our lives, let alone what's going on in the rest of the world, but God, who formed it, does. Another place I want to at least read to you, Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5. 
This is the very beginning of a long book of Jeremiah prophecy that is written to uh, Jeremiah and to Israel. But God calls Jeremiah to begin this prophecy with these words. In Jeremiah 1 and verse 5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And he is telling a Jeremiah who is already born now, I've known you since before you were born. I'm the one who formed you in the womb. I knew you before I formed you in the womb. How can that be possible? He didn't even exist yet. And God says, I knew him. And before he was born, I consecrated him and appointed him. I gave him a purpose, and that is why I made him. So God's purpose is recorded. God's purpose is predetermined. Thirdly, God's purpose is designed. Notice that David describes these days of his life as days that were formed for me. David is not forming these days. David is not determining how these days will go. God has planned each day of David's life. That means then that nothing is happening accidentally. Nothing is happening randomly. Nothing is happening without a purpose. Today, June the 20th, is here for a reason. God has a purpose, a plan for June the 20th, 2021. And when tomorrow comes, if tomorrow comes, it will be not because it's the day after today, but because God has a plan and a purpose. Now, we as human beings often look in our lives at big days and we kind of plan our, our lives according to this big day. So, you know, if you're, if you're about to graduate in a few days, Friday is the big day you're looking for. And, those, and we have a lot of people in the school system right now. And, and you know what it's like to be in school when it's pretty much done and yet you still have two weeks. You remember what that's like? Remember being in school and you knew all the tests are done and uh, maybe you've already figured out, I could flunk everything right now and I'd still pass and graduate. Why am I still here for these last two weeks? And they feel like meaningless, wasted days. That's never been the case with God. God has never had a, I know I'm just trying to get to this day and so I just had to fill the time with Tuesday. No, God has a plan every single day. It has been designed. Fourthly, it is thorough. Every one of them, he says. Not most of them. Not nearly all of them. But every one of them. You wrote down my form days. God has not left one part of my life outside of His purpose. One person said, one person said it, God's purpose for us is as precise as it is personal. No day is unplanned, no day is meaningless, no day is without its purpose. I like one, one way uh, this, this verse, uh, verse 16, is translated. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. So when we're thinking of God's purpose, we need to understand that God purposefully formed my body and purposefully formed my life. And recognize that this is not a goal that God has. God does not have a, I I plan to get this done, like many of us have a to-do list that we've had things on that list for quite a long time that are never going to get done if we're honest. God does not have goals and dreams that he hopes to accomplish. God has a plan. God has a decree, and it will be done. Proverbs 19.21 says that many are the plans in the mind of a man, 
but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. We make plans. We have dreams and goals, and they don't always happen the way that we hoped they would. But God has never had a plan that fell through. God has never had a purpose that was frustrated. Jeremiah says that it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. For the Scriptures tell us that the Lord is the one that establishes the steps. Now notice for just a few moments David's great perplexity. If you are sitting here thinking about the divine purpose of God and trying to think through all the implications of what that means, and you come up with more questions than you began with, you say, thank you, Pastor Tim, because I wasn't thinking about this, and now I am even further confused than I was before you preached this. Then join the club. Because look how David responds in verse 17 to this wonderful truth of the purpose of God. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. Now, when we use the word precious, we're, we're saying something like, that warms my heart. You know, maybe uh, dads, if your kids are living far away and they call you today, I'll call my dad today, and I can guarantee you he's not going to use the phrase, that warmed my heart, unless because my mother's watching, she'll tell him to tell me. But he's not going to say, that warmed my heart. But the fact that I thought of him, that made him feel special. I remembered his birthday. I remembered his, his, that it's Father's Day. Or, or the fact that someone thought of you and let you know, and people are going through a difficult time. We usually reach out with words like, uh, I'm sending you thoughts and prayers, or my thoughts are with you, we're thinking of you. And it's intended to encourage another person, right? And, and hopefully that's how it's received. Uh, the fact that they're thinking about me encourages me, warms my heart. David is not awestruck here the fact that God thinks of him. David actually is getting at something much different. This word precious does not necessarily mean, you know, I want to stitch this on a pillow. Precious. Literally, he means these thoughts are difficult. That's what it means. The word precious here is, is, is difficult to comprehend. It's rare. It's costly. It's, 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 it's difficult. I don't get it, God. How can you keep track of everything going on in my life? The thoughts and the plans of God are far beyond my capacity to understand, even when it just is about me let alone keeping track of all of you and everybody else in the world. And not just the people that are alive, but the people that are yet to be born and the people that were already uh, alive and are, and are dead and all of the things, and not just the people, but the animals and the, and the trees and the, and, the, and the bugs and the whale, everything. God is keeping track of all of it. How precious are your thoughts? I do not understand. The thoughts here, it's the same word that David used back up in verse 2 when he says of God that God discerns my thoughts from afar. These aren't just daydreaming thoughts. God just happened to be thinking of David. No, it's, it's more specific than that. It's about the intentions. It's about the plan, the purpose, the motives that God has. Calvin explained that in this context, David is speaking of matchless, the matchless excellence of divine providence. When David says your thoughts are precious, he's saying the plans, the intentions, the purpose that you have is beyond my understanding. It is difficult, to put it bluntly. Secondly, he says these thoughts are vast. These are more in number than the sand. 
If I could count the numbers of grain of sand on the seashore and at the bottom of the sea and everywhere it is, I still wouldn't have equaled the number of the thoughts and plans that God has. How in the world do you do it, God? That thought alone should drive us to praise. How dare we think that we know what's best for our lives? We can't even figure out what we're going to eat for breakfast tomorrow. And the God who has formed every one of the days for me before I was even born has a purpose and a plan, and I can't trust Him? Notice that there are worship in these words as David confesses God's greatness and his own ability to grasp it. David truly understands Isaiah's words that God's thoughts are not my thoughts and His ways are much higher than my ways. God is not on a different... He's not, he's not just a little bit smarter than I am. God is on a whole different level than I am. Thousands of levels beyond my level. God is singular in His understanding of all these things. Very similar to what David said in verse number 6 when he said, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high. I can't attain it. I cannot get this. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. Secondly, notice that there's praise here. David is not resigned to fatalism now. Well, God, is it all figured out? I guess I just got to... I'm just a robot. doesn't really matter. God's already planned it all out. No, because David understands that this, this purpose here is, 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 is a great and glorious purpose, and he responds not with fatalism, but with praise. Because though David doesn't understand this purpose, he believes and acknowledges it. He confesses it. I praise the God who is greater than I am. I praise and worship the God who is higher than I am, who has purposes that I don't get. Can you imagine how small our God would be if we could understand Him fully? You, those of you guys who are married to your, your, you have a wife, could you honestly say you understand her? Of course not. How much more God? Who created all of this? Who created that woman you can't understand? Who created that, 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 that astrophysics that we're, we're only the best and brightest of us can figure out? He's the one who made it. We don't get that. We don't get Him. Finally, notice that there is comfort and resting in this. As David finishes the verse here by he's saying, and it's a very, kind of a confusing way to end it, and there's different ways that people understand what he's saying here, but he says, I awake and I am still with you. It's comforting here because oftentimes it doesn't feel that way. Because when I don't understand what's going on in life and when my purposes are being frustrated and things aren't happening the way that I think they should be happening, it kind of feels like I'm all alone. But I awake and I am still with you. Not I return to you or you return to me. You're only a phone call away. I am still with you. Very quickly, think of Christ for a moment. Jesus would have sung this psalm. He would have sung these songs in the synagogue growing up as a boy and as a man would have sung these songs of worship to God. Think of how Jesus would have thought of these words as he sang them. Knowing that his days were planned and purposed by the Father. Knowing that the Father had a purpose and had sent him to earth to take on human flesh, to become like creation, to live among us, to dwell among us and we would behold His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus knowing that He had come to do His Father's will and to fulfill His Father's purpose. You see, the greatest expression of God's unfathomable intentions 
and His glorious purpose and plan is Jesus Christ. That's why we sing the song, how can it be that God would die for me? We're singing that saying, I don't get it. It's amazing. I am blown away. I am baffled by amazing love. God's plan for redemption then was very, very costly. It cost the Son His life. Now what do we do with this? How do we take Psalm 139? Well, of course, all of the things that David said about himself are true for us. But let me just give you uh, three points of action to, to, to take away from this. Number one, know that God is sovereign in every part of His creation, including you. I was listening to a, a, a preacher of old, long time, I think he's, I think he's passed, passed by now, long time ago, he's preaching up through this sermon, uh, this text, and he preached and he said, he said, friends, I'm not trying to get you to believe this truth. Not what I'm trying to get you to do because it's already true. You don't have to believe it in order for it to be true. You should believe it because it is true. God is sovereign over every part of His creation. Whether it is, uh, quoting uh, uh, from uh, Joel Beakey here, whether it is the ordinary patterns of life that we scarcely notice or the strange events that cry out for extraordinary explanations, we must look behind all to the cause that is highest than all others, that is, the will of God. God made you with a purpose. God made you for a reason. That means that none of, nothing about your life is wasted or meaningless. Not one of your days has been empty. In God's Word, we find what this great purpose is, though we won't understand all of it. The great purpose that God has is God's glory. God's great purpose is God's glory. That is what He is after. And that is why He created us. And that is what we are to be after, the glory of God. So secondly then, seek to fulfill God's purpose with your life. Bring glory to God in all that you do. As the the New Testament tells us, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do in life, do it to the glory of God of God to bring glory to the one who made you because that is why he made us. He did not make you to have a family, to have a lot of money, to have a lot of fun. He makes you to have a lot of life that brings glory to the one who made you. Those of you who are graduating, don't get hung up on that what has God made me to do? What are the specifics? The specifics are different for all of us but do whatever you end up doing to the glory of God. And know, because God is sovereign, He will bring about His purpose in your life as you seek to follow and obey and live for Him. Thirdly, and these kind of fall in place one behind the other, know then that for all things, I'm sorry, for those who love God, all things work together for good. God is sovereign. God will work these things out so that when you cannot understand why something happened, why that event took place, or why that thing didn't happen the way you hoped it would be, you can know, as the psalmist says, Psalm 138, verse 8, the Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. People may have evil intentions. People may think that they are doing according to their own evil designs. 
Joseph in Genesis 50 says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. There is no plan of God that man can thwart. God is sovereign. This knowledge and hope then that all things work together for our good is grounded in the the sovereign purpose of God. You don't have the time to look at, but I would encourage you to go back and read that super comforting and familiar verse, Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good. But then notice how it goes to continue to say, for, and he gives a reason why all these things work together for our good, because he has a purpose. He has a plan, and he is accomplishing it. So then the God who formed you to look like you do and to be who you are also did so with purpose, forming every cell of your body and every day of your life to bring glory to Him. Now, as we consider this and as we struggle with this, trying to understand the purpose and the will of God and how that fits with me and my choices, let us exclaim with Paul, Oh, the depth and the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been His counselor? Or who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, we do thank You that we have these words that you have reminded us that we are made with a purpose. We thank you that we have a, a God who is over all of these things in our lives. And we pray that you would uh, at least give us the understanding that we have been made with a purpose and that nothing that you have made will be frustrated or, or, or changed. Your plan is immutable. Your plan is eternal. Your plan is perfect. Help us then to acknowledge that and to live for that. Help us to spend each day of our life with a humble recognition that this day is not our own, but it is given to us by a benevolent Creator who has a divine purpose. Lord, for those who do not know You as their Savior, they might know You as a Creator, they might know You as the God of the Bible, of the stories, but they don't know You as You have revealed Yourself in the Scriptures and through Jesus Christ. We pray that they might know these truths that they might uh, not escape the truth of the God who made them for a purpose to bring glory to them. Cause them to repent. Cause them to turn from their sin, from their self-glory, and turn to You, the God who deserves all of it. Father, we pray that as we go throughout this week, wherever we may go, whatever we may do, it would bring glory and honor to You. As we even go back to our homes this day, We celebrate fathers, we celebrate graduations this week, summer vacations, and all of the things that are going to be taking place in the next few days and weeks. May we do it with a recognition that you have made us for a purpose, and that every one of our days are intended to bring glory and praise to our Savior and Creator. It's through Jesus the Son that we pray these things. Amen. Would you stand with me one last time and let us sing?